Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I am Alan Seals, and our guest today is Gavin Creel. He had an amazing story about how he rediscovered himself during COVID and having everything shut down, having the industry kind of put on pause and having to look inward. And I think this is a very common thing we're going to be hearing from a lot of people as Broadway comes back and we're hearing more and more interviews from them. But just an amazing guy, super, super introspective. And we actually had a really fun conversation about ayahuasca, if you can believe it or not. So hang on for that, because that's a fun one. If you see shows on Broadway, you've most likely been there when Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, does their red bucket campaigns asking for donations after shows. So you're probably aware of who BCEFA is, but we actually dive into the great many specific things, some of the specific things that BCEFA does to keep your favorite artists and even the industry as a whole going over and over again. And they raise so much money and help so many people during COVID and during the shutdown. And that is a great transition into what Gavin is here to talk about primarily during this episode is Jay Armstrong Johnson's upcoming production of I Put a Spell on You, the Sanderson variant, which is his take on Hocus Pocus. If you haven't heard of that or Jay Armstrong Johnson's version, then please look it up. Two things you have to have to know about. Please check the show notes for links to donate, links to watch, and see these amazing performances with so many great people. I've talked for too long. My normal spiel, find me on Instagram, find me on Twitter, theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review. You know, I was checking the reviews the other day. I haven't had anything in 2021. So it's time. Leave me some new reviews. I want to read them. Everybody, please enjoy this episode with Gavin Creel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today's guest received a Tony Award for his performance as Cornelius Hackle in Hello, Dolly, starring Bette Midler and David Hyde Pierce. He made his Broadway debut, originating the role of Jimmy Smith in Thoroughly Modern Millie, for which he received his first Tony Award nomination, and has additional Broadway credits that include Lacage, Hair, which earned him his second Tony Award nomination, by the way, Waitress, Book of Mormon, and She Loves Me. He originated the role of Elder Price in the West End production of Book of Mormon, which nabbed him an Olivier Award. On television, he co-starred alongside 
Julie Andrews, perhaps you've heard of her, in ABC's Eloise at the Plaza and Eloise at Christmas Time. He's also one of the stars in Ryan Murphy's new spinoff, American Horror Stories, and is now part of the upcoming Halloween special, I Put a Spell on You, the Halloween Variant, which streams on Thursday, October 28th, with all proceeds going to Broadway Cares, Equity Fights, AIDS. Gavin Creel, welcome to the theater podcast. Thank you. That's a wonderful... Uh, thank you. <laughs> and you know what? It's not, I put a spell on you, Halloween variant. I must have typed that because it's Halloween. It's, I put a spell on you, the Sanderson variant. Oh, I like that. That's, that's, I like that. I, I got to say, when you said the Halloween variant, that was kind of exciting. And now it's even more specific. That's, that's what we call really good wood shedding. That's really good <laughs> theater. <laughs> the specificity, baby. <laughs> so this, uh, I'm gonna we'll, we'll dive into this first. Is, yeah. is I put a spell on you. It's something that um, J. Armstrong Johnson and some people started. Uh, I think two years ago, right? And it went no all, way, almost like uh, like many many years ago. Oh, um, really? Because it was, it was two years. One? This past year was the well, not this year, but the la- yeah, last year was the first time they did the blowout digital thing but they've been doing it right. at, down at la poisson rouge and different places they've been doing a live celebration at, at christmas for for years it's oh really exciting yeah it, oh it, that's so cool they took a huge graduation to the next big step uh by um kind of blowing up the internet last year it was really i was so so blown away and i absolutely i knew i'd never been a part of the live concert but um jay's been a friend since we did hair together on broadway and i just knew he was up to some little freaky stuff <laughs> freaky freaky <laughs> halloween stuff <laughs> and uh and he um invited me to just to be a small part of last year and then i watched the whole telecast or webcast last year and my my, my part was just him with an iphone taping me on the back of the couch like with <laughs> we did our own make he, i made him do the uh skeleton makeup with me in the bathroom because i was like i don't want to do this by myself you put it on too so he's filming me just sitting in my living room doing a, a busted little recording. And then I watched these massive, unbelievably produced videos, which everybody should see because they're going to be replaying a bunch of them this year. It's just remarkable what they've done. And they raised over 200 and I think nearly $250,000 for Broadway Cares last year. Yeah. And that was last year was all, all digital because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And then the year before, like you're saying, it was, yes. it was an in-person thing. And this year... Um, so what what's the format going to be this year? Well, I think Jay and and his team they have an incredible team called Limon Productions and uh, his all of his he's just got this great group of people who are all they work so beautifully together and are so dedicated to just honestly spreading some spooky joy and now they're teaming up so effectively with Broadway Cares, which is the crown jewel of our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I think he wanted to do a live, but they, with the Delta variant that was happening, you know, early on, you have to make these decisions for these things when you're doing big shows months, sometimes years in advance to just be able right. to, you know? So I think they were smart for everybody's safety. They didn't know whether the Delta variant was going to wipe us out again. And, you know, we're, we're having bumps on the road as far as Broadway reopening and finding its new life here. But they did it. I think they did the smart thing, but now they're adding a few more videos. And then we did a, we added, we took, <laughs> we graduated from the iPhone to a little more um, high tech. I haven't seen the video yet, so I'm excited to tune in on the 28th. 
Yeah, it's it's actually. Out. I mean, it's huge production budget, and oh my I mean, gosh! And last year, I mean, it's you, it's you and Todrick Hall, Robin Herder, of course, Jay Armstrong Johnson, Eva Noblezada, Will Swenson. It, so many more people are all a part of this, and it's. Yeah. I, I guess for someone like yourself, where you know you've got credits and you've out the wazoo, and you've got opportunities being asked of you left and right. Like, what about this takes you out of your routine to say, you know what, I'm going to give this some attention. Jay. <laughs> just, just Jay. Just Jay. Yeah. That's the best <laughs> thing about being in, the, in, in this business for, I mean, I got my equity card when I was 20. And I'm, tw- I'm, and I'm 25. <laughs> Hilarious. No, 25 <laughs> years ago when I was 20. Um, and the best thing about it is the people you meet along the way. And the ones who make an impression on you or uh, you, you just believe in their soul. And I believe in Jay's heart and his soul and his, and he's proven now what a, an amazing producer he is as well as an actor, dancer, singer. Um, but yeah, it's just Jay. He called and I'm like, and I'll be honest with you. I went inward during this pandemic in a way that I n- never have before. And I think a lot of me is still in there just trying to root through the crap and figure myself out. Um, in a, in a different way than I hadn't before. And I was not really on board with the whole online performing thing. I was like, no, I'm not going to open my computer and sing for you. I just am not interested. I did a few things, but the number of asks that came in and it was a real, I'm reading, I love Young Pueblo and he's got these two books, Inward and, and uh, Clarity and Connection. And I was actually just reading a little bit of Inward down there. And it said, you find out um, what you are, you find out who you are by saying no. And, and, and really, really, and, you know, cause I was raised, you should say yes to everything. You say yes to everything. And I think when you're younger, I think that's a really great piece of advice. Um, because you never know what your fear might stop you from saying yes to. So it's good. Just add, say yes and jump in. I think that's all the time, not just when you're younger, but, um, during this time I was just like, no, I don't want to sing on your computer. I don't, I think I look stupid. I think I sound crappy. I'm, I'm sad right now. I don't want to sing. Um, so I did a few things as time went on, but Jay called and I was, yeah, this sounds like fun. I wish I was in one of the more produced videos because those look so sexy. Robin Herter's video <laughs> is bonkers. Will's is bonkers. Eva's with the dog. I can't even tell you people, if you have not seen this, tune in on the 28th or 26th, 28th. 28th, yeah. October 28th. Thursday, October 28th. It's remarkable. I'm so glad he's redoing a bunch of the videos. Todrick's video, the the, the fever video, there's this one on the back. They did filmed like a, a lot. And an alley on it was unbelievable. Bob the drag queen is hilarious. There's just so <laughs> many good things in it. It's and they've made five new videos to to pique your interest again. Yeah, and well, for quick plug for those who want to check it out, broadwaycares.org slash spell is where you can get information and get tickets. And the tickets are extremely affordable. Again, it all goes towards Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. And yeah, from what I've seen from last year, the year before, like the the two years it's been like widely publicized, it sounds like it's going to become a a staple. And I, I sort of expect that next year, that some big Broadway producer is just going to be like, you know what? This deserves to be on stage for a limited run. So they do like an October That'd run, be fun. Or a two week, a two yes. week run. I mean, if they can play in Skittles the musical, 
and during the Super Bowl for a one night thing, right. then you can plan this a year in advance for a month. Some, I, I love yeah, that idea. Big thing. Yeah, yeah. I also think there's something really beautifully subversive about, like, like Broadway Bears, for example, started seven guys stripping on a bar at Splash down, and and they raised, they passed a hat and raised yeah. some money, and now thirtieth anniversary is going to be this June, and it's raised millions and millions of dollars for this charity and has helped not just and primarily at a time when nobody would the president wouldn't even utter the word aids people there was no medication there was just people dying in such a horrifying way um but broadway cares has expanded its reach it still is there for people men women and children living and dealing with hiv aids but mm -hmm. like it's expanded to disaster relief and the Phyllis Newman Women's Health Initiative. And um, recently the COVID relief fund, what, what, what it's done for people who have lost the majority of our industry is doesn't have health insurance right now. Mm -hmm. And they've given millions and millions of dollars of the money that you have all given to the actress fund to help people in need in this terrible time. It's, it's when we come back stronger than ever, and and change, making the changes in Broadway that we have to be making, um, I hope that audiences will and, and everybody involved in in our industry will rally even more behind Broadway Cares and the Actors Fund because of what they have done. For, it's it's like you want to know what they do. This is what they do. They're there to help us in crisis. And it was I, what two two weeks ago there was a Broadway flea, and yeah. and so that started the same way. It was. It was, I think, a bunch of people from Chorus Line, I think, if memory serves, was who it? got together and were just like, yeah, let's, uh, we're, we want to raise some money for, 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 for charity. Like, they brought a bunch of their old props and things and just went out in the street and started selling it. And that, and that was decades ago. And now yeah. the Broadway flea is this big thing that happens every year. And, you know, 20, 2020 asterisk didn't happen because of COVID. But this right. year happened again, and it was yeah. in person, and it was great. And you get these memorabilia, you get these fans that come out, and all of that, again, goes, all the, all the proceeds go to Broadway Cares, Equity yeah. Flats AIDS. It's yeah. incredible the amount of support that that they that the organization can get. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm lucky enough to, I've been sitting on the board of trustees for the last couple of years, and um, I watch in that room, I watch theater owners and stage managers and directors and producers and Broadway league members and massive um, actors. And I watch everybody at the same table all there to do the good. And everyone is in on it. Everyone is giving permission to collect with the red buckets and, and donating their theater so they can put on the red bucket follies or the Easter bonnet. And they're, they're, calling their friends who are heads, leads at Mac found, Makeup Foundation, who's donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to Broadway Cares and Broadway Bears so they can do discreetly placed glitter pasties and things like that. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just everybody, it's all hands on deck and it's, and it's fun and it's service and it's making our community a community. Without Broadway Cares, I'm not certain that we would be as tight-knit of a community as we are and we can be, so... I'm very proud to well, be part of it. It's interesting, kind of the, the movement I'm seeing now is I'm seeing these these big, you know, Broadway names posting, uh, reposting that image on on Instagram and social media. That's like I support the elimination of of six hour workdays and mm -hmm. and the ten out of twelves. You, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So so what I think 
I, I, I like that we're talking about this, and this is typically not how the interviews go, but I, I love that we're talking about this. Anything because you want to talk about, just talking, you just cut out the shit you don't want to listen to. <laughs> oh no, this is great. This is actually great. great. Because what I want to, what I want to illuminate is, is that being on Broadway is one of the hardest jobs to have after you get it, let alone before you get it. Yeah. But after you get it, then maintaining your, your physical health, which is separate from your emotional health for eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're in a show, maybe in the case of Patty Murin and others having like straight up panic attacks. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and, who, and they've talked publicly about it. They're like, I got to call out. I'm having a panic attack. I, I've got the dream job and the dream role and I'm stressed. Yeah. And so stress, the, the, stress is a nice way of putting it. I feel close to death. Like those panic attacks. <laughs> no, seriously. Those panic attacks are like, I think this might be it. It's so deep and so terrifying. And the pressure that everybody feels, I mean, it looks like a, a piece of piss. Like it's just, oh, it's just us just having fun on stage, just running around yeah. in costumes. The one of the most infuriating things of my life was sitting out to watch the Book of Mormon after I'd been in it for like a year and a half. I just went out. I was I was out of the show and I came back early from a vacation and I watched the show and I was like, this looks like we're just up there mucking about, just boop, 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 boop. And I am like, I know how devastatingly hard this is. And this looks <laughs> so easy and so fun. I'm going to tell you what, it is not easy. It's, it is fun when you're in your right physical and mental and rested and supported. And that's, I think, what we're looking at with the community right now is I'm a white cis man. Yeah. And and I'm gay, which I, 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 you know, that adds its own challenges and it's been a, it's been a journey and it continues to be a journey for me of understanding my place in the world and everything. But in musical theater in New York, that sometimes can be, is uh, a benefit because there's a lot of mm-hmm. gay men who have come to the city searching for a place to belong. They found community and, and camaraderie in the theater. So it's, so my point being, I'm privileged and I have been given such unbelievable opportunities. It does not, it is not, I, I, I do not take that for granted. So if I'm thinking, if I'm one of those people posting, if I was on social media, which I'm not so posting, but like <laughs> if I was, I don't know, somebody I respect and love, Celia, my best friend, like I'm sure I know she supports the five day rehearsal week absolutely six hours you know let's get rid of these things that are not supporting people's mental physical well-being let's talk about it just because it's the way things have been done yeah when i first heard i was like oh they're never gonna get rid of 10 out of 12s i'm like oh why not why don't they get rid of them do we have to be there that long i mean it is i'm going to tell you when you're in a show on broadway people think oh it's so much fun it is getting your dressing room together whatever when you're at the theater from one o'clock until midnight 10 days, you know, all these days in a row, and then you're doing previews and you're rehearsing from one to five, and then you have an hour and a half break and you have to come back and you get into makeup. And if you're, you know, playing a cat or something that has a, you have a makeup plot that could take an hour and a half to put all this mm-hmm. stuff on and your wig and your hair and you're warming up and your body. And then, and then you get on stage and then you get out, you go to bed, you're exhausted, but you're keyed up because you're all your adrenaline's coursing through your body. You're coming home. You're like, G-g-g-g-g. I need to lay down and go to bed, but my body is so awake because I have so much energy in my body, hormones. Then I lay down at two o'clock. I wake up. I'm exhausted. My voice is like, blah, blah, blah. 
you know? And I have to go back to rehearsal at one o'clock and like hit it. And then you do that preview period where you're rehearsing and performing at night. And then you open. And then that next Monday, you're recording this cast album. And you're like, who decided this insane schedule? This is nonsense. So why aren't we relooking? Well, we are relooking at it. Producers, I'm sure, are like, oh, come on, we can't do all these changes. And I just say, oh, come on. Let's just let's just chalk it up to you got free labor and for a really long time, it's time to relook at it. And and we don't have to work this insanely. It's 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 insanely hard. It's not yeah. good for our bodies or our minds. Well, the the reason the reason I brought that up in the first place was because that uh, there's there's a lot that happens, and especially after the you know the social racial equity reckoning that oh. happened all 2020 and pandemic and everything shut down, and, and we hopefully to... and hopefully will be happening for the next hundred years. We need yes. to have this reckoning every day. As a white person, until the day I lay on the ground, my priority has to be racial social justice. It has to be mm-hmm. what am I doing if I'm in a place of power. 50% or more. Let's, let's bring it up. Let's go. Let's go. What can I do? How can I influence? I'm learning so much. I know so little. And I'm like, woof, I have been crap in the bed f- for too long and too complacent. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I'm like, I'm excited <laughs> to see. I'm excited to see where we go with this. Well, I want to talk. Let's get into your activism next, but I'll finish my okay. thought. I'm saying the only reason I brought it up was because Broadway Cares, Equity Fights Age, AIDS is helping behind the scenes with so many things like, you know, the health insurance and rent mm. uh, subsidization, mm. or subsidizing yeah. and things that, that people need help with. Because even when you're on Broadway, you have to fight to exist. Yeah. And that has mul- fighting to exist has multiple meanings now, especially given what you just said. So let's yeah. go there. So you're actually very outspoken for marriage equality and and uh, you make actual singles that are put out to raise yeah. money and raise awareness. Like, uh, let's see, you raised noise. Three, three, yeah, three original albums. Yep. Um, one of it, and a single noise, raised money and awareness for marriage equality. So I guess I, I was going to just give like a softball question and say like, oh, so why is this important? But obviously we know why this is important. It's, yeah. It just is inherent in who you are and to be have everyone be equal and have everyone yeah. um, have an equal seat at the table. So where where did that come from? I guess we'll go with. Um, you know, I, I have to, I, 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 I'm a little shy about the term activist because I know some actual life activists I've met and talk to Cleve Jones and David Mixner. And um, I, I, I'm blanking on, I, I met Lance um, Black and, and Bruce Cohen. And I, I, like, I guess though, even Lance and Bruce have, I, I, I'm, I'm saying they have careers and they participate in activism, but I'm, I'm the life activists, people who are doing the work every day, waking up, it's their life's blood. That's not me. I support, I try to use my voice when I can. Um, but I'm in awe of the people who are really, in my mind, really activists in, in the activism sense, that they've dedicated their life to it. And I try to be as supportive as I can. And But I just, I, just, I, I don't want to oversell what I was doing. It started when I was like, hmm, I'm 30 two years old at the time and I'm gay as hell. And I am like loving my gay self in a way that I never have before. And what if I was talking with some friends and what if I, what if we just got involved with like just a gay 
um, organization and just went to meetings or just saw how we could help the community. It was a way I was never really engaged with the community before, frankly, because I was ashamed and afraid. And I grew up in Ohio, which in a very um, wonderful town, but it's very um, homogenized and white and religious and conservative. And there wasn't a lot of otherness there. So certainly mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had a place where I could be. It was not also 19, it was the early nineties, the late eighties and early nineties when I was really coming into my self and understanding like, Oh, I think I might be different in a way that the church and everyone around me says is really bad. Were you, and, did you go to church a lot as a kid? Yeah. Every Sunday Methodist. Wow. Proud to be a Methodist and proud to dig Jesus and proud to dig Allah and proud to dig Buddha and proud to dig two sticks you wave in the air and call spirit. I'm like, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'm into all of it, as long as it's treating each other with respect and love and dignity. Um, and that's where I just go, no, sorry, I don't know, this is going to be unpopular to say, but like people who get really wrapped up in a lifestyle that is exclusive and they call themselves Christians or born again Christians, I've seen the light. I'm just, I just call bullshit on you. Sorry. I'm not here for you saying your, your heart is open if you follow this way. No, sorry. Right. That, that is not Christ. If you're going to go back, if I know, if you put me in a time capsule, sent me back to Jesus Christ, sit next to him. He'd be like, dude, sit down. Let's talk about it. I'm into anybody <laughs> and anything. I believe it in my bones. So at the time I was like, I think I'm starting to own that, I'll call it Christ's love in my heart, where I'm like, I love myself and I'm allowed to love myself. And I'm allowed to love myself for the little gay, musical theater loving, boy, man, child person that I am. And that's when I was like, I want to do something with this energy. I, I, I want to, I, I'm, I'm owning who I am in a way that I never have. So a few of my friends got together and, and we were talking about different ideas. And then eventually it was Rory O'Malley and Jenny Canellos and I starting Broadway Impact. And we were, it started because we, it was right after, um, uh, was it November 4th, 2008? I think it was the 4th when Barack Obama was elected president. And I thought the mm, world mm -hmm. has changed. This is, and that same day, Proposition 8 was passed. Uh, eliminating the rights for all those people, this this work that California had done to finally have some some semblance of real change in for, for marriage equality. And I thought, how can we have our first black president? And hopefully we will have many more black presidents, women, hopefully too, like black women presidents. I'm, let's do this. But um, how can those things happen on the same day? And we were like, we went to a big rally called Join the Impact. And we were like, I love this impact. And then we went to a couple meetings and it was a lot of people yelling at each other in our community. And we went, okay, we're just going to back out of this room and we're going to go try to organize <laughs> our community. We were inspired by um, Broadway. We were inspired by Barack Obama and his he was a community organizer. And after he graduated, he went back to community organizing. And I just thought, that's awesome. He didn't run to some law firm or whatever. He's just like, I'm going to organize the community in Chicago. And we thought, let's, 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 let's get in there. Wow. And we thought, let's organize the theater community. I'm I'm coming up in this business, and I've just got this show called Hair, and this sounds like which a also marched with Washington the, uh, in 2009. Well, I was I was the I was the guy who was like calling Jenny Gersten and Oscar Eustace, our producers, and saying, Jeffrey Richards, can we please do this? Really, I yeah. didn't know. I was in Atlantic City with a few of my friends. 
on like a day off and we were all being stupid in Atlantic City and I was texting nonstop with Jenny Gersten and Oscar Eustace going, can we please do this? We, they're doing this national equality march. We have to go, we have to go. And they were like, you got to calm down. We can't close a Broadway show down to march on Washington. Maybe we can send some people who aren't on. We got amazing swings. If they're not on that night, we could send them down. Two and a half hours later, I just get a text from Jenny Gersten. She says, okay, we're doing it. And I was wow. like, you've got to be kidding me. And she said, it's the right thing to do, Oscar. And I know it. We'll talk to all the other producers. We're going to make this happen. And they lost $150,000. The show, no one cancels a Broadway wow. show. Right. And they canceled the show so the entire cast could march on Washington for marriage equality. And we organized 25 buses to take 1,500 people for free down in the morning. We had, I mean, Neil Patrick Harris and Sutton Foster and... Um, Stephen Schwartz and Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman and me and a bunch of different people sponsoring buses, paying for an entire bus to put 40 mm -hmm. people on a bus. And we got 1,500 people down. It was a life-changing weekend. I sang at the Human Rights Campaign Dinner the night before when Lady Gaga was the musical guest. And then I sang after her. And I was like, <laughs> really? Couldn't you put me first? With me well, she my... opened for you. She was exactly. your opening yeah. I didn't know who she was at the time. Bad Romance hadn't come out yet. And I was like, who is this lady in the lederhosen with the purple glasses? She looked like an Oompa Loompa. And I was like, this sexy little... Just like, she was like, and I, I met her and she was like, hi, Gaga. And I'm like, okay. And then like, I think it was like, I think it was a couple of weeks later, maybe it had just come out, but Bad Romance hit. And I was like, she's my goddess. I love her. <laughs> and every, everything she's serving, I'm into. I love it. She's so wildly wonderful and fantastic. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. All right. So then that, okay. So you, that, that was a tangent. Explains. I told you, I'll talk. No, I'll talk I love talk. it. I, I absolutely, I I love this. I love these stories that, that you don't you don't hear about these stories. These yeah. are the greatest, the greatest. Let's greatest try to stories. let's try to unearth some that I that I have never said. I have talked about that weekend, but we'll find we'll find some along the way. You'll be like, oh, I've never told anybody this. We'll find it. <laughs> We're gonna take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. When was a time that you can think of when something went horribly wrong on stage that nobody noticed? Oh, that nobody noticed. I can think of a million when I had to stop the show. Like, Really? We, oh my gosh. In London, in Waitress. Yeah, a lot of people wouldn't know this, but Sarah and I should have had our equity cards taken away from us. Sarah Bareilles, <laughs> obviously the writer and star of Waitress. <laughs> I, was, I was like, it's a good thing I'm on stage with her who wrote the show and is like, packing the house and his superstar and the stage door line was literally down around the corner and around the block because anybody else would be like, Creel, you're out. You're never performing again. We would just look at each other and start to giggle. And then the audience would catch on that we were giggling and then they would laugh and then we would laugh. There was one time, oh my gosh, something happened that the, the table wasn't set correctly. Um, so it wheeled out and I didn't notice I'm supposed to take my little backpack off and I put my backpack after I give her this gift, I put my backpack underneath the table and that's where it lives for the rest of the scene. And then it rides off. Well, it had been set in reverse and I didn't notice right below is a rolling pin and a rolling pin bean bag. And I put my, I, I gave her the gift and I look and I just kind of put my bag down. I just hear, a, and I'm like, Oh shit. 
And there's a rolling pin rolling towards the front row. And I run out and I grab it. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, well, that's not good. And the audience laughs. And I look at Sarah and she's like, oh my God. And then I hand her the thing and I say, you're going to want to clean that. <laughs> and she's like, she, they're laughing and she goes, don't think too hard. Just don't think too hard. And then they're laughing and we're laughing and we're about to do like a ballad. It's like a really tender scene. And I just looked at her and I, with my mic on and the audience is laughing and screaming and we're both just like, <laughs> and I look at her and I go, how are we going to do this? <laughs> and she just goes, we just are. <laughs> and then we got very serious. The scene was so present and so intense. And right on the final note it was like, you matter to me. You matter to me. <laughs> we just start to laugh and the audience just roared. And that was just one of the times. But that, that's one that I, I that the audience definitely noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see why. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. part of yeah, that's part of the fun times, obviously. And that's like the camaraderie, the friendship, and and Ugh. the chosen family that comes out of doing yeah. this profession is is unbelievably strong and forms bonds that you can't break. And I feel, I feel like part of this too is, um, I say this a lot on the podcast, is that the rehearsal process and sometimes even going through the shows, depending on what's happening, is, is opening yourself up to experiencing a form of trauma with a group of people. And sometimes the show is about literal trauma that, right. you're, that your body is experiencing eight times a week. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> so the... The bonding, the the connections that you are forming with these people is are experiences that that no others will ever have and yeah. can't be broken. It's why it's it's why you sign up for this rigorous schedule. It's the community. It's the people, and and you know, again, not to no bring up the 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 movement that we're in is. I have felt such wonderful, beautiful community. And I, my eyes are open now that so many people of color in our industry have not felt that openness, have not felt the sense of, I got your backness. Now, I have been really lucky to do a bunch of shows with a lot of people of color. And it's, I mean, it's one of my joys to be able to be in a, in a, a company that is acknowledging the human race in a representational way, an authentically representative, truthful way. Um, but it breaks my heart to think that, I mean, I don't know, black cast members of Hair or Book of Mormon are in, beyond inspiring, beyond talented, beyond wonderful, and to think that they were carrying trauma or pain in ways that I thought <laughs> these people are unbelievably talented and wonderful and happy and on their gig and fierce and wonderful. I just think I'm really sad that I didn't realize, I didn't really fully grasp how painful so much of our industry has been for those people who look, would never let on the pain that they were in. And now it's ours as white people to reckon with and to really see the truth of it and see how we can be fully anti-racist and fully engaged in that conversation that is like, yes, I am wrong. I am racist. These thoughts are racist. I have perpetuated a system that is racist. The entire 
foundation of musical theater was built on minstrelsy. The entire, if we can just acknowledge that original truth, that musical theater was blackface, that the, mm-hmm. the art form was built on blackface. Original white company members of Showboat were painting their face. It was, it was customary. It was something. It was there. It was r- wrong then. It's certainly wrong now. We just have to acknowledge the truth. It's not a blame game. It's just like, wow, we can't, because if we don't acknowledge the truth and we just go, we just need to move on, or this is moving too quickly, we're never going to get the work done. And, mm. you know, I just, Nicole Johnson is an, a name I want to mention on this podcast who runs a program called Edify and she's holding spaces. She's brilliantly holding spaces for white um, artists and producers and um, casting directors and people in our industry to learn how to become better advocates and anti-racist and to obliterate white systemic um, racism and oppression within the industry. And I've learned so much. I continue to learn so much from her and I can call her a friend now, but she's a mentor of mine. She's like a spirit guide. She's this unbelievable soul that is holding space in such a courageous way. And um, she's just one name I would like to highlight and, and celebrate right now. Have you ever, have you ever done ayahuasca? No, I don't know if I could. I've had friends who've done it. Have you done it? No. And, and th- I have a friend who, I have a close friend who, who's done it multiple times. And I'm so curious about it because I personally, in the last couple of years, I've just, it, like, I just started seeing a therapist to co- just now, but it's been a couple oh, of years, but I'm, I'm like, Thank you. My uh, my you know my birthday's coming up, and I'm like over forty already. And and just now, I'm seeing you know years ago started seeing a therapist, and I thought you know it, I wish I had been seeing. I wish it was okay to have been seeing a therapist yeah. since you know when I was a kid, a teenager. We can say right now to teenagers everywhere, it is okay to see a it's therapist. Very okay. It is not just okay; it's imperative to have someone objective to sit there and listen to you, and and help you parse through this very complicated difficult thing called life is the greatest gift you can give yourself spend the money find somebody you love if you don't love them go on to the next one sorry Mm -hmm. i support it so you were saying i'm I'm intrigued to how therapy is gonna did your therapist want you to do ayahuasca no well i'll well did she i think maybe Maybe. she's brought it up before she i think she's supportive of it um but i I was literally planning a trip to south america to do it and then then covid hit and i just haven't picked that up again but yeah um, like they, they, because I, I feel like the way that you've been speaking and the way that you sort of approach topics is is very much in in the same vein. I think of people who are open to to experiencing a, a frame of um, altered consciousness mm. that takes you to a place to allow you to look at things in a way you didn't see I, them before because of your conscious yeah. filters that you may may or may not know you have that you think that probably don't know you have that you think. Right. You think it's just how things are. It's just who I am. And I'm going to tell you this last two years for me because of a lot of loss and a lot of pain and then not being able to distract myself from any of it. I had to look in a way, I'm still looking in a way that now I can't unsee. And I will say, for those of you who don't know what ayahuasca is, I believe it's a tea, right? Uh, It's from a plant or something. It's Peruvian, I I believe. But it's just something, basically, it's like it's like a tea you drink and then you, I, I've, I've heard stories where you have a bucket where you like puke a couple times and then you trip balls. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. it's all natural. And, Completely. And, yes. And it's, and it's 
enlightening and a lot of my friends have done it and I'm inspired by all the stories they say. I don't love barfing, so it kind of makes me nervous. <laughs> I just don't want to well, barf. That, yeah, but well, I mean, you get past to, like, it. Chelsea, like Chelsea Handler is like, you throw up and you shit your pants, but oh, everybody everybody doesn't shit their pants. Ah, who hasn't? Who hasn't shit their pants? I mean, there's time and place for everything and that time and place is college. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. Or last week, I don't know. But, um, but, the, but, yeah, I mean, but, you did just turn 25 again, so. Yes, I did. It's time to shit the, oh my God, what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> but but I do want to say I I think I have not done ayahuasca. I the the most serious drug I've ever done. The only drug I've ever done is pot, and I can't do it anymore because it makes me so paranoid. Um, and I quit drinking for this year. And I gotta say, I really am. I was inspired by my best friend Celia to quit drinking for the year of 2020. God bless her. I don't know how she did it. That's the year everybody was like, "Give me that booze." Mm-hmm. But I was I wasn't ready to do it in 2020, and then I tried it this year, and it's really been really kind of enlightening for me. I would just say the thing that the thing that ayahuasca does it, it, it I th- I think any any substance that you might want to try obviously do it in a safe space and 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 with people you trust that will take care of you and and provide um support during the process of if it's if it's a shot you want to do a shot of Jaeger I don't know just having people nearby that have walked this path maybe it's very helpful but I do also think I didn't I didn't I haven't drank in a year and I had mm. been doing some major ayahuasca like discoveries with meditation and with um, morning pages and the artist way and writing and creativity. I have tried to find quote unquote other natural ways. Um, I don't want to say that any way that I judge anybody who wants to try a substance of some kind or experiment with microdosing or macrodosing or whatever. But I will say, I think at the core of it, I think we're all looking for the same thing. And Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I, I was getting at. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. And that's why I think people are so attracted to the theater, which something you said at the very beginning, I'll go back to it, is mm-hmm. because as a closeted gay kid growing up in this conservative Ohio place, mm-hmm. uh, you found your home. You finally found acceptance. You were looking for acceptance for, for your sexuality. But there's other people who are looking for acceptance in one way, one way or another, you know, it, if like one parent was one way, one parent was another. You didn't have parents. Maybe you lived in a place that didn't, you know, where you were bullied for one for how you would look. Things you can't help, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you're looking to find that acceptance. And without therapy being readily available, an easy alternative, I'll put easy in quotes, is the theater community. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say an easy alternative is ayahuasca. Is ayahuasca. I don't don't agree with that. (laughs) Yes. I think, and, and, and the theater community. Yeah. I think if you're, if, if it's your passion, I think somebody who's listening who might not be into theater, but think I want that kind of support. I'm going to run and try to be an actor. I might, and you've never acted before. I'm saying it's not impossible, but there are definitely easier paths to get enlightenment. And because a lot of the reasons why I'm in therapy are because of the theater community. (laughs) I mean, let's get real here. Like you, you know, it's, it is a tough life and a tough profession. And I, again, am a white cisgendered privileged man who has had success and has been given money and has been given opportunity after opportunity. And I also know the deep paralyzing pain of the industry of not getting hired, of not being working, of not, and that's me saying it. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say I don't realize my intense privilege and the, and the access I have. 
I don't take it lightly. I try to use it responsibly and, and, um, gracefully. And I also try, and I fail at this, but I try to find ways to include people who might not have that access. Um, uh, but man, it's having a therapist, having someone you can confide in trust. Honestly, having somebody you can literally say, I mean, I, sometimes I go and talk to my therapist. I'm like, what is the dirtiest, grossest, most repulsive part of my personality that I, I just want him to go, that's disgusting. Get out of my office. <laughs> I want to like unearth the lowest, <laughs> deepest, grossest thing so that I can say like, once I did this or once, this is what I actually want to say to Donald Trump, you know, whatever. But like, and he never, he always holds space for it. He's like, okay, do you want to talk about it? And to have that kind of unconditional acceptance, it's like, wow, there's nowhere I can go that you won't go with me. It is a, it is, it is a support like you may never know. And they're doing mm-hmm. it because you're giving them hundreds of dollars an hour. <laughs> because and let me tell you the truth. You think, I don't need a therapist. I have my friends. That's Mm-mm. selfish. Mm-mm. That is selfish. Because your friends have their problems and I have my problems just like Celia and I know, you know, like Sarah and I talk and she's like, I, I, I can only be, and I can only be as supportive as I can be because I've only lived the life I've lived. So therefore I only know the truths that I know and I have experienced and live. And the older I get, I become more compassionate, more open, but it's hard. Sometimes I just want to like turn the table over and be like, I just don't care. I don't want to talk about it. I'm angry. Your therapists, are they trained, if they're trained well, are there to try to be as objective and, and supportive as possible. And that's why you pay them. So you can go and talk about yourself for an entire hour and not feel bad. Because if you talk about yourself for an hour to your friends, <laughs> guess what you're not going to have a lot of after a while? Friends. <laughs> they're going to be like, shut up. And which my friends have told me many times. <laughs> oh, we get it, Gavin. We get we it. get it. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And, and I think it's, there's a whole level of, of people. I mean, there's multiple reasons, I think, why people get into theater. But there's a whole level of, like, you're, you want, you need the attention. Like, you crave it. Slash you need it to, for your self-validation. Yes. And so exploring all of that. Or maybe you, you don't have a strong group of friends. So it's a nice place to, to automatically... Because I have a group of friends I knew when I was first starting out in in high school and college, there were so many people that, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond who were doing community theater with me that I was like, oh, this is really weird. Like why this, you know, community theater is for kids. But for now that I am at sort of around the same age group, it's it's like it's so hard to make friends as adults yeah. because, because you, you're busy like a lot of people have kids, a lot of people have a job or multiple jobs or like adulting in general is just freaking hard. Yeah. And everybody needs something and everybody wants something. And then I'm sure, you know, you're in a place where everyone wants you to do something and for them and often for free. So mm-hmm. people come to you and, and you've got to have your guard up, I imagine. That's got to be stressful. Well, it's a process to the word no. It's a really scary process. And, and you're worried, oh, they're going to hate me or they're going to be upset. They're going to think, who do you think you are saying no to this opportunity? 
And I'm just here to say the word no is one of the most freeing, empowering words I have learned. And I continue to try to use it more and more. It doesn't mean I'm negative. It doesn't mean that I am um, unwilling or not uh, collaborative. It means no, I, I, that is a boundary that I'm not willing to cross for my mental health, for my physical health, for my free time. Somebody t- recently told me, I'm, I, I'm sorry I can't credit it appropriately, but it's a really great habit. They say, you know, with your, like, f- your phone calendar, it's something that I want to do is you should schedule a date with yourself on repeat every day from like six to eight at night that you always see it every day you look down so that when somebody asks you or, or at a time in the day when you're spinning and you're busy, oh, so if I do blank, I'm abandoning myself. I'm going to, okay, that's worth it. So I'm going to erase that date with myself for this day and I'm going to put that in its place. Then you will start seeing how often you're abandoning yourself. You're making dates with other people. And when you can see it on your phone every day, oh, there's a date with myself. Do I want to take that? I would venture to say a lot of us don't ever make that date with ourselves. And I didn't do it for the longest time because I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of the quiet of my own company. I still really grapple with it. It's at my self-worth of like, do I really want to hang out with myself? I want somebody around. I want that, you said it earlier, that external validation. Mm-hmm. I was a junkie on it. I want a lover. I want a, a friend. I want somebody nearby. I want even somebody I don't even like that much just to validate me. Just my presence. They'll, they're willing to hang out with me. It's like, Creel, you got to sort some of this out yourself. And I, I will say, people <laughs> might be going, oh, how pathetic. And I go... That's fine, but I, I would venture to say most of us feel this way. Because I was gonna say I don't think I don't think people are saying pathetic. I think people who are listening to this podcast specifically are like, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's yeah. It's you know, can I vacation by myself? Can I eat a dinner by myself? Can I go to the movies by myself? Those used to be things that terrified me. Vacationing by myself still is scary, but I've done it a couple times and I'm gonna tell you boring. Happiness is so much more fun when you're sharing it with someone. (laughs) But also I have learned through the pandemic, I'm going to Hawaii for two weeks by myself. I'm going to see a couple of my friends in the middle of it, but I'm kind of really because of the pandemic in this time, I've had to be alone, alone. I'm like, come on, Maui, let's dance. (laughs) Let's, let's get on that balcony and let me meditate for 40 minutes and let me let me write. I'm going to take my little keyboard. I'm going to write some songs. I'm going to get back into that whole thing, which I've been, I've been buried in all this time with this show. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about a show I'm writing. <laughs> well, tell, okay. Yeah. So before we wrap up, are you allowed to talk about whatever you're writing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Let's hear it. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this. And if you're, if you're out there and there's still tickets available, go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art website. And you can go on the search thing and just put Gavin Creel in. I'm doing my first ever, I'm calling it a world premiere, a universe premiere of a piece that I'm working on and I'm hoping to bring it to Broadway. Um, you know, it's, it's, I was given a commission from, from the MetLife Arts organization, the MetLife Arts series at the Metropolitan Museum of Art which I didn't know existed because I'd never been to the Met before. I am not a museum person at all. Um, for a million reasons, you want to understand that, come see the show because I talk, that's what the show is about. I'm calling the show, it's Met-a, 
<laughs> it's kind of like a, <laughs> a meta moment because I'm playing the character of Gavin Creel and uh, I have this amazing band of uh, seven, eight piece band, I think. And I was given a membership card and given the directive of explore the museum. And when you come up with an idea, tell us and we'll help you present it. And it could be Alan Cumming was a theater person who has done this a couple times. But it's it's the MetLife Arts series is so inspiring. It's DJs and opera singers and opera writers and directors and clarinetists and Roseanne Cash and Sting and Alan Cumming and and people who you some you might know, some you might not. International stars, performance artists, and musical theater people like me and Alan. And it's whatever you come up with. You're a performance artist now. And we have here at the Met, we have this, it's the only program like it in the world with a major, a ma the major museum institution in our city that has a program like this. And it's basically creating through the Met and its collection reflections on art. So it's creating art live now. So the Met is actually investing in new art. And, and I'm so honored that they asked me to be a part of this. My friend, Matt Kwam, wow. was a, a friend of mine. He's like, I think this, you might be right for this. Come take this meeting. And I was like, okay, you know, I've never been to the Met before. And <laughs> it, it has been an unbelievable, life-saving assignment during the pandemic. It was supposed to be June of 2020. And I thought, obviously got canceled. And if, if, if I had done that concert before the pandemic, I... I know this sounds dramatic. I don't know how I would have made it through. It was the one creative thing that I knew sat on the other side of the nightmare that we were in. And wow. I, I, when I, I was so angry at productivity, I couldn't be productive. I couldn't write a song to save my life. And then I just eventually wandered over and start poking away. And then like four songs later, I'm like, okay, it's coming. And then it would dry up. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. You're learning who you are alone in the woods. Just be patient. Let yourself have a process. Walk, take a walk, you know, the show is called walk on through. And it's basically that it's like by sitting still, we're not going to find ourselves. The only way we're going to find who we are in this strange and wonderful world of fine arts and the museum is to walk on through. And maybe you'll find something that you respond to and who you are. And I'm so proud of what I've written. And it's at the moment, it's 16 original songs that I'm doing that night with, with a little arc that just shares my story of this assignment um, in, uh, I call it a concertcle. It's like a, a meta concertcle. <laughs> um, that is, it's like a musical and a concert, had a little baby to look and feel like a concert, but hopefully by the end of it, you'll be like, you know, this is more concert. The next step is to break it into two acts and write some scenes and really kind of tell the story of what I did. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so it what's is, the link again? It's, um, if you go to the Met website, the Metropolitan Museum of Art website, and just go into the search engine and put in Gavin Creel, walk on through. We're doing a six o'clock and an 8.30 on the 25th. It's on a Monday because I do my shows on Mondays because that's when my, my family is free. Um, and we're going we're gonna to be dragging the theater community up to the Upper East Side, to the Met. There's a lot of us who haven't spent a lot of time up there. And I think I'm a good usher because I'm a self proclaimed uh, museum novice i'm i'm if you don't feel like comfortable this. or know the art or you know it's like 
I'm I'm going to be your your art ayahuasca guide through this <laughs> art ayahuasca art ayahuasca we'll, thank we'll do you art ayahuasca together. yes yes exactly <laughs> yeah I found the website here yeah so it we'll put the link in the show notes so thank check you the show notes everybody for this yeah it is October 25th at six and eight thirty p.m. and Come. of course go to broadwaycares.org/spell to yes. get more info on on the uh, I put a spell on you Sanderson variant of course um, all of that and where can we find you on the socials I'm not on social media um, I might I might start an Instagram account at some point when I have a, somebody who will do it for me I just don't really want to be a part of it it makes me really 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 anxious um, but I do have a website that my wonderful assistant Kayla Kuzbel, shout out to Kayla, um, keeps up for me. There, literally, she's like, um, "Honey, do you know you're doing this?" So I'm just gonna put this on the website. I was like, "Oh, right, right, right." <laughs> I want. I'm I'm the worst because I'm making something that I want people to come and see. I want you to come to the Met and be a part of this first step because I want you to come to Off Broadway and then to Broadway. And I I want to tour it around the world and tell these stories and talk about art and my life and my loves and just just life in general and witness our connection and i'm really bad at selling it <laughs> um, but i but i i promise you once you're in the theater with me i'm going to do my best to to take you on a ride and i want to say thank you to kayla and for keeping my website up to date <laughs> yeah. all right well, you, yeah i am on social media because i have to be theater <laughs> underscore podcast on instagram and twitter and facebook slash official theater podcast leave a rating and a review because this is a podcast so that's what you do for podcasts this has been edited by well-rounded hoodlum productions thank you to jukebox the ghost for the intro and the outro music and gavin thank you this has been such an interesting and different conversation i have really really enjoyed it thank you me too thanks for having me Colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.